as I was just praying there a moment ago, uh, I do believe that there, uh, there has been a tremendous spiritual attack on this body here at New Hope. We have taken numerous bombs over this past summer, and we really continue to take some bombs here and there. And I believe that they are because the enemy, because we have an adversary. D do you know that we have an adversary that wants us to fail? Do you know that this morning? Do you realize we have an enemy that wants our church to fail? We have an enemy that ultimately wants your faith to fail, to collapse. That, that we have an enemy that wants and desires those things. We have an enemy that wants marriages to fail. Just, just look the last 50 years at the tremendous, tremendous attack that has taken place on our families an all-out attack to separate moms and dads an all-out attack to remove fathers from the family a, a complete attack and all this is because there is an enemy out there we have an adversary that wants our families to fail he does not want you listen this enemy does not want you to read the bible this adversary does not want you coming to church this enemy does not want you to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Our adversary does not want those things, and he'll do whatever he needs to do to stop them, to block them, to, to put them on hold, to get you to turn back. He does not want you, this, this enemy does not want you to hear the word of God. He wants to make you deaf to it and blind to it. The enemy does. The enemy does not want you, listen closely, the enemy does not want you being around other brothers and sisters in Christ. He wants to segregate you from the family of God. He wants to remove you from other brothers and sisters where there's camaraderie, where there's unity. He wants to break that up. He does not want you to be strong in your faith. He doesn't want you to know this word. He wants you to be weak. He wants you deceived, this enemy. He, he wants you to believe things that are not true. He wants you to believe lies. He wants you, listen now, this enemy, this adversary, he wants you discouraged this morning. He, he wants you depressed. I, I know that we have people in this church body that battle depression. He wants you feeling depressed. He wants you to feel anxious. He wants you to feel unsure. The enemy does. He wants you confused. Oh, he loves chaos. He loves confusion. The enemy does. And he wants you lost in confusion, not knowing which way to go. Not knowing where the straight and narrow path is. Listen, he wants you to doubt. Hey, I, I don't know. Is that, is that really true? Is what he's saying? He wants you filled with doubt. He wants you to be weak. Why? So he can pick you off. So I believe that the enemy hates us, hates us. I know that's strong when you say, I hate. Boy, that's such an ugly word. But we have an adversary that hates us, hates your marriage, hates the godliness that comes out of you, hates all forms of righteousness, and hates God himself. That is the enemy that we have.
and we can't be confused or mistaken. And so if our enemy hates God and his people and all that they do so much, we better learn a little bit about him so that we can be prepared when he comes lurking around. Amen? Wouldn't it be prudent of us? As I sought the Lord you know, for direction, he kept speaking this one particular scripture to me. It found in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8. And over and over as I prayed, this one scripture kept coming to my mind. It says, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walks about seeking whom he may devour. Now, I have read this scripture many times, but this last time when I read it, Something sort of jumped out at me this last time. It's, if you look at the first half of that scripture where it says, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil. Look at that part there that says, Because your adversary, the devil. In other words, it tells us we have an adversary. It is saying, hey, if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, you've given yourself to Jesus Christ, and you confess that he is Lord, you have an adversary. So we have this adversary, but then it goes on to tell us who the adversary is. It says, because your adversary, the devil. Now, I believe the Bible is clarifying because God knows us. He knows his creation. He knows how we can have warped thinking and twist things and turn things. I believe the Lord put that wording in there to clarify and make things crystal clear for us. Because you know one of the problems that church folks have is we know that we do have an, have an adversary. We know there's an enemy. We just fail to be able to see who that enemy is. Do, do you understand what I'm saying? We get the part right that yes, I do have an adversary. But we get a little skewed at who the adversary actually is. Listen to me now. Our adversary is not the government. It's not all, all the people in charge of this country making the laws. They are not our enemy. Let's even take it a step further. Our adversary is not LGBTQ. Those people are not our enemies. You get me this morning? They're, they're not our enemies. Our enemies are not the Antifa folks. I'm sure you've seen them on news. the news. That, that's not our enemy. The Bible is saying, because your adversary, the devil. Our, our adversary is not the media, folks. You know, some, sometimes I'll watch some news stuff and I want to pull my hair out and think, you guys wouldn't know the truth if it hit you in the head. But even at that, they're not our enemies. Th those people are not our enemies. Listen, our enemy is not the political party opposite to the one you prefer. That's, that's not your enemy. Your enemy's not the guy that's difficult to get along with at work. He isn't your enemy, or she isn't your enemy. Listen to this. People in other church denominations, they're not our enemy either. Even if it comes to a piece of scripture, and they're like, well, I think it means this. And we say, well, I think it means that. Then, we're, then you're my enemy. No, they are not our enemies this morning. People in other church denominations are not our enemies. Listen now. 
People with different skin pigmentation. They're not our enemy. That's not our enemy. Boy, if you watch the news, you would think it is. Oh, they're different than me. That's my enemy. No, they're not. I don't care how different someone looks or their cultural practices, that those people are not your enemy. It's not the woman that cut in front in line at the grocery store. She's not your enemy. It's not the man that cuts you off on the interstate. That's not your enemy. That's why the Bible says, because your adversary, the devil. Because we get confused and we say, hey, those people, they're my enemy. Those people, they say Jesus isn't Lord. They say there is no Jesus, there is no God. Then they're my enemy. No, the Bible says, no, no, no. Your adversary, your enemy, the one that hates you, the one that does not like you, it's not all those people. It is the devil. See, it's clarifying, taking all questions out of it. It's making it black and white. No, it's not those people. No, it's not that church denomination. It is the devil. That is our adversary this morning. The Bible clarifies it. So that we can all be clear on who our adversary actually is. Listen to me now. There there have been some times, I know this is true, that some of you have thought, I am the adversary. There's been some times where some of you have thought Pastor Joe was your adversary. I'll even be more honest. There's some times where maybe I have thought some of you are my adversary. There's some times where many of us, probably all of us who are married, has thought our spouse was our adversary. Those people are not our enemies. I'm not your enemy. I know you're not my enemy. Our enemy is the devil. Listen to Ephesians chapter 6 verse 12 says, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. The Bible's further clarifying it, saying, hey, hey, this flesh and blood, even though they may do foolish things or say foolish things or believe foolish things, they're not your enemy. Your enemy is spiritual wickedness. Your enemy is the devil. That's who it is. That's who your battle is against. You see, all this evil that manifests itself in our nation, all this evil that manifests itself in our world, the devil is the spiritual force behind it all. You you get that? The devil is the one pushing and driving it and causing people to say these things and be deceived and blind. And then once he has them doing what he wants, then the devil gets them to push his narrative. The, the enemy gets them to push his agenda. And then Christian folks come along and say, there's my enemy. That my, that's my enemy right there. The Bible says, no, no, no. No, see with your spiritual eyes. The, the enemy is not the people. It's what's behind them. It's the spiritual force driving those people. Boy, I think we get so confused with that. The, this evil manifests itself through flesh. And we see flesh, and then we say, hey, that person's my enemy. That's not right. The enemy is the devil. That's our enemy. So then who is the devil? Well, the Bible tells me that the devil is a fallen angel. You understand that the devil is a created being. 
You have to understand that God is not created. I know that's hard for us to wrap our minds around, but God is infinite. God exists outside of time. God is not bound to time, minutes, seconds, hours, days, weeks, years. God's not bound to that at all. God had no beginning and he has no end. But the devil is not like that. He's not. The devil is a created being. He's a fallen angel that was thrown out of heaven because he thought he could be equal with God. Or he thought he could even exalt himself above God. He is a, a type of cherub of some sort that thought he could be God. That's who the devil is. Isaiah chapter 14 verse 12 reveals even more of who the devil is. Isaiah 14 12 says, How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cut down to the ground, which did weaken the nations? For thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high. Yet thou shalt be brought down to hell to the sides of the pit. That's who the adversary is. He's a created being and he thought to himself, I want to be God. Capital G. I will be God. I will ascend above God. I'll be the man. I'll be in charge of this. I'll run this show. That's who Lucifer is. I don't know if you notice in verse 13 all the I wills in that. You see all that? All his focus is on himself. I will ascend. I will exalt. So be careful when you start saying, well, I will do this. I will do that. I will sit upon the mount of the congregation. He says, I will be like the Most High. That's who our enemy is. He is a created angelic cherub type being that thought I will be like the most high I'll exalt myself above God you know there are descriptions I won't read them all this morning but there are descriptions in the 28th chapter of Ezekiel that further describe the devil as listen full of wisdom listen what else it says in Ezekiel chapter 28 it says he was perfect in his beauty you can dismiss the thoughts of an ugly, nasty-looking creature with horns sticking out of his head. You can dismiss that. That's, that's Hollywood fairy tales. When, when he was created, he was perfect in his beauty. Completely perfect. A, a perfect statue. And full of wisdom. Ezekiel goes on to say he was perfect in all his ways. Until iniquity was found in him. His heart, it goes on to say, his heart was lifted up because of his beauty. In other words, he was created so beautiful. He looked at himself in the mirror and thought, I'm intended to be more than just an angel. I'm intended to be more in charge of what I'm in charge of. He looked at himself in the mirror and says, I can be God, capital G. I can be more than him. I can do a better job than him. He exalted himself up because of his beauty. You know, he says, I sit in the seat of God in Ezekiel. I'll sit in the seat of God. I'll sit in his throne. I will. That's who the devil is. 
He's a created being that tried to be equal with or greater than Almighty God. He was cast out of heaven to the earth below. Listen, that's why even Jesus, Jesus, our Lord and Savior in John 12, 31, you don't have to turn there, but even Jesus refers to Satan as the prince of this world. Because he is kingly and princely and he was created for magnificence. But he was sinned and iniquity was found in him. His heart was lifted up in beauty and God kicked him out and casted him down. And he's down here on the earth running rampant, trying to deceive. He hates God now. And Jesus even refers to him as the prince of this world. The apostle Paul refers to the devil as the God of this world, lowercase g. You know, Satan, our adversary, our enemy, he does have a type of rule here on this planet. Whether we want to admit it or not, he does. He has a form of authority here on this planet. He does. We, we find this to be true when we see Jesus tempted in the wilderness in Luke chapter 4. We're going to go there real quick. Luke chapter 4 verse 5, Jesus had been fasting and the devil comes to him. Note that he comes to Jesus when he's weak and starving. He attacks him when he's vulnerable. But Luke chapter 4 verse 5 says this, And the devil, listen now, this is good stuff, taking him up onto a high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said unto him, All this power will I give thee, and the glory of them, for that is delivered unto me, and to whomsoever I will give it. If thou therefore wilt worship me, all shall be thine. Do, do you see that? The devil takes Jesus up on this high pinnacle and shows him all the kingdoms of the world. The devil says, I'm in charge of this. I can put you in charge of all these kingdoms, Jesus, if you'll fall down and you'll worship me, because this power is given to me. Scary. Brothers and sisters, the, the devil, this is his time. This is his time right now. He, he's going crazy. He has pulled out all stops to attack God and his people. To deceive, to lie. This is our adversary. His days are numbered, but until that day, he has pulled out all stops. And he wants us to fail. And he'll do whatever is necessary to get us to fail. Now, we know who our adversary is now. But the question moves on now is to what an adversary is, okay? An adversary. You know, I know that most of us generally know what that is. An opponent. Uh, one who contends with. One who resists. An enemy, that's what an adversary is, okay? We, most of us know that. In sports, okay, if we're talking about basketball, the object of the game is to shoot the ball, dunk the ball, whatever it is, get the ball, to go through that metal hoop. But the adversary's job is to stop me from getting that ball into the hoop. I play lots of basketball in my days, and those days are long over for me, long over now, half as fast as I used to be. 
But man, I used to do whatever I could do, whatever moves I could do, try to juke another guy, try to set a pick, roll off the pick, whatever. But the goal was to get that ball to go through the hoop. However we could do that. But my defenders, their goal was to do whatever they got to do to stop, to thwart that ball going through the hoop, to block it, to swat it, whatever they needed to do to stop that. That's who the adversary is. If we're talking about football, the object of football is to take that football, run so many yards, and get into the end zone, cross the, cross the touchdown line. That's the object. If that's the object, then the adversary is there to stop by any means necessary to come and blast you, come and trip you, to come grab hold of your jersey. The adversary has to go all out to stop you from achieving the goal of the end zone. And the adversary is going to do whatever he can do. He's going to go back with his team and scheme up a plan. He's going to go to the coach and say, what do you think will work best? Whatever they got to do to stop that ball crossing that end zone, the goal line. Now, in Christianity now, those were sports analogies. In Christianity, if the goal is to forever be with God, really that's our goal. That's my goal is to forever be with the Lord. If the goal is to forever be with God in heaven, then the adversary's job is to stop us from forever being in heaven with God. And he will do whatever he needs to do to stop us because he is our adversary. Satan's job is to resist you from serving the Lord. He contends with your mission to serve the Lord. He, he wants to break up your relationship to Jesus. He, he wants to break it up. Uh-uh, can't let this happen. Uh, you're not going to get close to him, not without me coming at you, not without me causing some problems. He wants to chip away at your faith. Even if it's just a little chunk at a time, he wants to chip away at you. Our adversary's goal is to do whatever is necessary to thwart any godliness any righteousness that comes out of you, he wants to block it and stop it and thwart it. It's to whittle away at your foundational belief that Jesus is Lord of all. He wants to whittle away at that, to chip away at your foundation that this is truth. He wants to cause doubt. Whatever he has to do, that's what he wants to do to you. Listen now. God stands for righteousness. Satan stands for unrighteousness. God stands for purity. The adversary stands for impurity. God stands for love. The Satan hate. God stands for peace. The enemy stands for lawlessness. It's the complete opposite. The Lord stands for truth. The enemy, the adversary, he stands for lies. God stands for life. The enemy, he stands for death. It's the complete opposite. You got God on one side and the enemy at the other, and both of them are pulling at us. The Lord trying to pull us His way, but the enemy, the opponent, the adversary is trying to stop that, and He's trying to pull you to Him because He hate He hates everything God does, and He hates God's people. He hates God's word. Listen, John eight tells us that He was a murderer from the beginning, and the truth was not in Him. That's who the enemy is. 
a murderer from the beginning, and the truth not, was not in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks of his own. Jesus says, for he is a liar and the father of it. Brothers and sisters, how many times has he lied to you, spoken things to you, whispered things to you? Your family will never be right. Your marriage is never going to succeed. You're going to fail. Everyone hates you. The pastor doesn't even like you. He wants you to go away. He speaks uncertainty to us. He speaks confusion to us. He's a liar, Jesus says. And when he speaks, Jesus is telling us, if you see the enemy's lips moving, in some way or another, he's lying. He is. Even when he tries to use Scripture against Jesus, when he tempts Jesus in the wilderness, he's twisting that Scripture. The Scripture is true, but the enemy is twisting it, taking it out of context. In other words, if his lips are moving, He's twisting something. He's lying. He's telling a fib. When he talks, brothers and sisters, go like that. Cover your ears. Brothers and sisters, this is who the devil is. This is who he is. He's a liar. He's a murderer from the beginning. He's a father of lies. That's who our adversary is. Let's go back to our original scripture in 1 Peter chapter 5. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walks about seeking whom he may devour. We know who our adversary is now. We know what our adversary is now. And we see from the rest of the scripture that the devil is roaming about. And he's walking all about seeking whom he may devour. I, I just visualized this picture of the enemy. You know, when he's a spirit, we can't see him. You know, he, he could be at home when you're sleeping. He could be hovered over you, looking at you, looking for a weakness, looking for a vulnerability, looking for something that you're susceptible to. And boy, when he finds it, he's going to exploit it. He's roaming around looking for someone to consume, looking for someone to destroy. Job chapter 1 verse 6 says, Now there was a day that when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan came also among them. And the Lord said unto Satan, Whence comest thou? Or in other words, where are you coming from? And Satan answered the Lord and said, From going to and fro in the earth and walking up and down in it. That, that sends chills up my spine. The devil's everywhere. He's all over the place. His minions are all over the place. They're out there seeking whom they may devour. And if one of those little demonic spirits comes and he sees a weakness in you, he's going to call his friends, hey, I think I found something. I think I found someone we can attack. I think I found someone we can exploit and ruin. The Bible tells us that the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. That's his mission. To seek you out, to find you, to segregate you, make you believe lies, to steal, kill, and destroy. Satan says, from going to and fro in the earth and from walking up and down in it. And to me that just says, he's walking all around. Maybe he's waiting for you at home. He's all over the place. Maybe he right now he's got some of his minions on their way to your house. 
Maybe he's passing through your neighborhood. Maybe he's waiting for you at work. Maybe he's sitting there waiting by your piece of machinery or your truck or whatever it is or your office. Maybe he's hanging out on your desk. He'll be back in Monday morning. Maybe he's on your way to your kid's school. Walking to and fro in the earth and walking up and down in it. Why is he doing all that? Because he's looking for someone to destroy. He's looking to block someone from serving the Lord. To stop it. Well then, if he's just all over the place and got his demonic angels out there looking for us, what can we do? We better know how to resist him, right? We better know what to do just in case he comes against us. We already know that he's our sworn enemy and he hates all godliness. So at some point, brothers and sisters, we have to be honest, at some point he's going to come to you. He's going to find you. He's going to tempt you. He's going to attack you. Be sure of that. The good thing is the Bible not only tells us who the devil is, the Bible not only tells us what the devil is, the Bible not only tells us some historical stuff about the devil, but it tells us how to deal with the devil. It does. It not only tells us how to fight the adversary, but it also gives us examples of other brothers and sisters before us who have fought the enemy. Listen, James tells us how to do it. James 4, 7 says, Submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Resist him. When he comes and he says, Hey, I got some stuff for you to look at on your computer. No one else is around. Hey, why don't you come to this website on your phone? Nobody ever knows. Just delete the history. Delete your browser history. James says, no, 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 you got to resist that. And he'll flee from you. Ephesians 6, 11 says, tells us to put on the whole armor of God that, ye may able, that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Ephesians says, put your armor on. That's how you defend yourself. You put on the whole armor of God. Why? So that you can be able to stand when he comes and attacks you. Because he's coming. If he's not at your house now, he will be at some point. He's going to find you. He's roaming all up to and fro, up and down, seeking whom he may defile. Ephesians says, put on the whole armor of God so that you can stand against his tricks. When he throws a fiery dart, it'll just bounce off your shield because you got your armor on. When he tries to club you with a sword or a ball bat or whatever, it'll hit you in the head, but you got a helmet on. 1 Peter 5, 9 tells us to resist the devil steadfast in the faith. In other words, be strong in your faith. In other words, know your word. In other words, have roots that go deep into this word so that when a storm comes, you won't be blown away. So that when a storm comes, when temptations come, you'll know, wait a minute, no, I can't do that. I ain't giving into that because the Word of God says this. You resist Him steadfast in the faith. That's how you do it. You have your armor on. You be strong in your faith. Resist Him. Know what you believe and why you believe it. Submit to God and resist the devil. That's how you come against the devil and all of his tricks and his filth and his lies. Because he's a liar and the father of them. He was a murderer from the beginning. 
it says. Church, I just believe that this body, I, I know there are people under attack. I know there are people who have been under attack. There are families under attack. There are individuals under attack. I know it. Well, to me, really, that's a good sign. That's a good sign. Because if no one's under attack, then we must obviously be where the enemy wants us to be. We must not obviously not be causing that much trouble in the spiritual realm. We got to put on our armor. We got to put on the helmet, the shield, the sword, start swinging it around a little bit. That's how you come against the devil. So the Bible even gives us an example, a perfect example in Christ Jesus of how to resist, how to contend with the devil. And we read a few scriptures from when Jesus was tempted in the wilderness, but I want to read that in its entirety to you. This great example in Christ Jesus in Luke chapter 4, verse 1. I love this piece of scripture. I go back and read it a lot because I think it just says so much. Luke 4, 1 says, And Jesus, being full of the Holy Ghost, returned from Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, being forty days tempted of the devil. And in those days he did eat nothing, and when they were ended, he afterward hungered. Isn't this the devil a scumbag? He waits. He waits. He, and the devil, he's patient. He's more patient than I am. He sits there and he waits. And he bides his time. And he waits for Jesus. Waits for him to be, go to the wilderness. He's been fasting. He knows that Jesus is weak. He knows he hasn't had anything to eat. His flesh is weak. And the devil says, now's my chance. At first anyway, I know this man is strong in his faith. But if there's any chance, it's going to be now. Because he hasn't had anything to eat in a long time. I'm going to attack now. He sees his, that's what he does to you. He, he sits there and waits. Boy, when you're in church and you're full and you're feeling the Spirit speak to you and you're praying and you're worshiping, the devil will sit back there and he'll wait. He, he knows better. He knows, he's not going to waste his efforts right then and there. He'll wait till you get into a little argument with your spouse or you're having a bad day at work. He'll sit patiently and wait. And when he sees that golden opportunity, when you're vulnerable and you're weak, then he'll strike. Then he'll throw his fiery dart. Verse 3 says, And the devil said unto him, If thou be the Son of God, command this stone that it be made bread. When Jesus is hungry, he automatically attacks with food. He, he knows how to exploit us. The devil is not stupid. Ezekiel told us he was perfect in his wisdom. Wise. If thou be the Son of God, command this stone that it be made bread. And Jesus answered him, saying, It is written that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. And the devil, taking him up unto a high mountain, showed him all the kings of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said unto him, All this power will I give thee in the glory of them, for that is delivered unto me, and to whomsoever I will give it. And Jesus answered, said unto him, Get thee behind me, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. Do you notice what Jesus is doing here? He's taking the word of the God against the enemy. What is the word of God? The word of God is the sword of the Spirit. So Jesus, Satan comes, and Jesus is swinging the sword at him. It's what he's doing. 
He's trying to stab him with the word of God, with scripture, utilizing the truth. The enemy comes with lies and he's twisting and he's deceiving. He's trying to cause deception. But Jesus in his weak and vulnerable state knows the truth. He knows what he believes and why he believes it. And he starts swinging his sword at the enemy. And the enemy says, whoa, whoa. And notice it's going back and forth. If thou therefore will worship me and all shall be thine. Skip down to verse 9. And he brought him to Jerusalem and set him on a pinnacle of the temple and said, If thou be the Son of God, cast thyself down from here. For it is written, He shall give his angels charge over thee to keep thee. And in their hands they shall bear thee up, lest at any time thou dash thy foot against the stone. So we see Jesus is slashing at the enemy with Scripture, with truth. Then the enemy, he tries to do it too. But we know that the enemy, he's trying to twist it out of context to get Jesus to serve him and to worship him. So he takes it out of context and is abusing the truth and mixing it in with lies. And Jesus answering, answering said unto him, It is said, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. And when the devil had ended all the temptation, he departed from him for a season. Do you see that when the devil came to Jesus and started attacking him, Jesus brought out the word of God, brought out the sword of the Spirit, and he took a slash at him. But notice the devil kept coming for a while. It was a barrage. It wasn't just one little thing, and then, oh, he said a scripture, I'm leaving. No, the devil kept at it. He's just attacking from different angles, trying to find, okay, well, hunger didn't work on him. Maybe I'll show him. The, all the kingdoms of the world. Maybe Jesus will be lifted up in arrogance and pride and he'll say, I want to rule all this. Maybe Jesus will fall for the riches of this world. And he's trying all these different angles looking for a weakness. But Jesus has to keep up, keep on saying the scripture, keep on speaking truth, keep on swinging the sword. And finally the devil was like, all right, I'll be back. I'll be back. Brothers and sisters, we got to realize this. That's our adversary. That's who he is. If you're successful in warding him off today, or you were yesterday, it's only for a season. He'll be back. He'll be, when he comes and he tempts you with something, and you'll say, no, leave me, Satan. I flee in Jesus' name. I, I'm not doing that. I'm not giving in. He'll back off, but he'll be back. He will be back. The, the enemy is relentless. He is relentless. He's not on break saying, "Eh, I'm just too tired. He's relentless. He's throwing all of hell at you and your family. He's throwing all of hell at your faith. Even if he can chip away one little molecule at a time at your foundational belief in Christ Jesus, he'll do it. He doesn't have anything but limited time. To do what he got to do. He, ha- he knows his days are numbered, so he's going all out, pulled out all stops. Jesus resisted the devil by using the sword of the Spirit. If I can call the band to please make their way up. Just notice that it takes more than one scripture for Jesus to get rid of the devil. He had to contend with him for a while. It went back and forth. He's exploring Jesus' defenses. That's what the enemy will do to you. He will come and he will look you up and down. He don't care if he has to stab you in the back or shoot you in the back. 
or get you in the foot, he does not care. He will explore and exploit your defenses. He's looking for a weakness in you. He's looking for something to grab hold of. He's looking for one little toehold, something little that he can grab. He's going to do the same thing to you. What we just read when Jesus was, he's going to do the same thing to you. He will. He'll offer you things. He'll offer you a better career path. Whatever it may be, he's going to offer it to you as long as he can snare you. What I'm wondering is this morning is, are we ready? Are we ready when he comes to us? Because he will. I promise you he will come to you. He is going to tempt you. And when he does, will you be able to resist the enemy, his tricks and his devices? Do you have your armor on? Is it on? Or is your Bible laying at home with two inches of dust on it because you haven't looked in it at all? Don't take my word on anything. Don't ever take my word every Sunday. Trust in it. I'm going to tell you the truth every time. I'm going to try to, but don't take my word. Go check what I say against the word of God. Will you be able to recognize the adversary when he comes to you? Or will he devour you? Because he's going about as a lion seeking whom he may devour. Is he going to spit you out as a dead pile of bones? He wants to have his way with you. He wants to have his way with your family. He wants to have his way in this ministry. He wants to have his way in this nation. He wants to have his way on earth. That is the enemy that we are against. Is your faith rooted enough into the word of God? Is it rooted enough that when he comes, you'll be able to make a defense? You'll be able to stand because you're rooted into the word. Brothers and sisters, I, I open this altar. We can turn these lights down slightly. I invite you to pray, seek the Lord, draw close unto the Lord, and resist the devil. Amen.